Jonah chapter 1. Let me just say, before we get into Jonah, um, I love this church. Y'all, y'all look good this morning. Not that you don't look good every morning, but you really look good this morning. Y'all look good. Um, one of the things I love about, about the multi-ethnic church is that you've got this beautiful mix of conservatives and charismatics, right? Um, so the charismatics are saying, take the reins off, let's, let's go there, while the conservatives are saying, whoa, what's going on here? What, what's happening? And then there's just this healthy uncomfortness, you know what I'm saying? So everybody's uncomfortable, and I love it. I love it. It's great. So uh, I, I really believe that, um, man, God is doing something special here. So if you're on one side and you've got a little uncomfort, let me, hear, let me tell you that it's okay. It's okay. We love Jesus here. It's okay. Amen? Amen. Um, another thing, uh, I love Corey's testimony and prayer this morning um, because it fits right with what we're going to talk about. I mean, you can't write a better script than that. Because what you heard was a man who had been running from the Lord. And God has captured his heart. You cannot write a better script. So I love it. God is in control of this thing. Jonah chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Mittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Those are the very words of God. Amen? Amen. I remember it clearly. My journey to coming to faith was an interesting journey. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I heard the word of God uh, in, in our home. Uh, I got a lot of friends who, uh, they, they love old school music, like Motown, and uh, they love the old school music, and they're in their 20s. And sometimes I think, what, how did you, how do you know all this? They know all the lyrics. Get this, it's because their parents play the music at home, right? Well, my mama wasn't having it. Uh, she, she just wasn't having it. I remember one time, um, uh, I'm going to date myself a little bit. Uh, I had a, a brand new Hot Boys CD. Y'all remember? The block is hot. The block. Uh, I had a brand new Hot Boys CD. It was playing in my, my disc changer. And uh, I went to bed with Lil Wayne playing in the background. This was when he was probably 14 years old. Um, and so, somehow I woke up. And my, my CD was broken in pieces on the floor, right? Uh, so I'm upset. I'm angry. I just, you know, you can't come by money that often when you're that young. And so 
I run. I thought this was a cruel joke by one of my my sisters or my brother. I'm like, who broke my CD? And my mama says to me, don't you ever play that mess in my house again. Uh, So that was kind of how I grew up. We went to church all the time. Um, But then in seventh grade, I remember going to this Christian school where we'd be in uh, math class and a teacher is working out a problem on the board and and, and she'd pause and say, this is how God put the world together. Or we'd be in science class and, or physics or whatever it may be, um, and the teacher would pause after teaching something, and, and she'd say, this is how God designed things. I had coaches who would gather us together, and they would, they would uh, preach the gospel to us after practice and during games and They would tell us to hit somebody for the glory of the Lord. So so this was my my world. I was immersed in Christianese and around Bible kinds of stuff all the time. I had a grandmama who loved Jesus deeply, and she would give us the word. So seeds of the gospel had been dropped into my heart and into my life along the way. But get this, I was still running. I was still running. I remember distinctly, there were several times where at my Christian school, I would sit in chapel as a high school student. I'd sit in chapel and the word would be going forth and tears would run down my face. And I would wipe away the tears because I didn't want anybody to see. Running. Running. I remember when the Lord really began to call me to, to the gospel ministry, and um, I didn't know exactly what that meant. Um, and this is kind of mystical, but this is how it happened for me. Uh, I would have dreams of preaching to crowds, kind of like this. Um, I would uh, go to random churches because I was always fascinated with how churches were put together. And I would just walk into random churches, never to go back again. And there were times where before I left, one of the leaders or the pastors would say, man, who are you? And I tell them my name and they they look at me in the face and they say, man, God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. Running. He was calling me all along the way, but yet I was running sitting in chapel, tears coming down my face, hearing the Word of God, the Lord beating down the door of my heart, but I was running. Until I remember being in college. It was my freshman year. And I was desiring to know the Lord deeply and to walk with the Lord, not because of my own will or might. God was drawing me all along the way. He was pulling me in. And I remember one early morning, I remember falling to my knees. I was just overwhelmed by what I call a growing restlessness. And I remember saying, God, would you help me? I didn't know what to say. I said, God, would you save me? Would you redeem me? Would you help me walk with you? And he did. See, all of that running was him 
pulling me and reeling me in. And I think when we go through Jonah, there are going to be some people here with us that are running. And I think you will encounter God. There's some folks, and maybe you even know Jesus, and you're still running from a particular call or a particular responsibility or duty that He's calling you to do. Running. But I look forward to how God is going to reel us in over the course of studying Jonah. This morning I want to speak from the subject, running away doesn't work. But before we get in, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for being here with us this morning. Lord, I'm already full by what's happening through worship and corporate prayer. That's a good thing. Lord, we see it in Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for the benefit of the worship that's happened here this morning. Father, I pray that you would be with us even in the declaring and the preaching of your word. I pray you would have your way. I pray that you would open our ears, open our eyes to see, open our hearts to receive all that you have for us this morning, O God. Do work on us. Do a number on us, O Holy Spirit, to call us deep into Yourself. And Lord, there may be some here who have been running. I pray You would grab hold of them this morning. And Lord, there may be some here who might say, well, I'm not running. I don't need this. I pray You would grab hold of them too. Now you would love us and show us your deep forgiveness for us. Allow me to decrease, O God, as I so often pray that you may increase in me. Speak your words and not my own. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, i got to tell you that I love Jonah. Uh, Jonah is a minor prophet, and, um, but yet there's nothing minor about the message in Jonah. So you may ask, what in the world does minor prophet mean? It just means that Jonah is shorter than some of the major prophets. So uh, Jonah has 48 verses. It's a minor prophet as opposed to our boy Isaiah, who would be a major prophet. Uh, You may think Jonah is a hard story to believe. And maybe you've heard about Jonah before and being swallowed up by a fish and all of this jazz. And you may think it's incredibly unbelievable. But Jonah is the real deal. It's a real story. And uh, there's even examples of, you can uh, Google it, there's, there's stories about people actually being swallowed by fish in real life. Uh, Jonah is the real deal. Um, not only that, but Jesus, as we'll see later, solidifies the story of Jonah. He's the real deal. What's so beautiful about this is that the theme of Jonah is the same theme in the entire Bible. Get this. Sin and grace is the theme of Jonah. Over and over again, you see the themes sin and grace. What do you mean by that? Sin is our rebellion and running away from God, while grace is God's gracious hand pursuing us. Over and over again, we see that theme, sin and grace. 
What do we see in Jonah? We see God giving uh, his servant, uh, his servant, his messenger, uh, some marching orders. He tells his servant to go to Nineveh. Nineveh happens to be the capital of Assyria, and that may not make sense to you, but through some of my studies, I found that Assyria is a crazy, wicked place. Uh, in Assyria, it's all about war. Uh, women are being raped in Assyria. Children are being removed in heinous ways from the stomachs of women. You know some of the things they're doing in, in Assyria? They're taking babies and they're crushing their heads on rocks. Um, that's the kind of place that God called Jonah to go to. You think that's a hard job? Uh, it'd be like um, God coming down and saying to one of us, Here's what I want you to do. I'm challenging you with the responsibility to go and infiltrate the camp of Al-Qaeda, and I want you to share my gospel with them. Call them to repentance. Call Al-Qaeda to repentance. You know how crazy you, you would be? You know how crazy you would look? You think you'd run from that responsibility or that call? Why? Because they may kill me, God. They will kill me, God. That's the kind of thing that God's calling Jonah to do. The reason why God is giving these marching orders is because God opposes evil. He really opposes evil. God hates sin. And I want you to hear me this morning. So often we talk about the love and the grace of Jesus. I'll call those the Skittles of the Bible. We, we talk about the good stuff, right? Um, we don't want to talk about the judgment of God. And what we see in Jonah is that God is extremely opposed to evil. You can see it right here in our text. Chapter, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. God opposes evil. He hates sin. He's not only a God of grace and love, but He is a God of judgment. He really is. And God tells Jonah, go tell them that I'm not gullible. God tells Jonah, go tell them that I am not blind. I see all that they've done. I see their wickedness. I see their brokenness. I see their sin. Tell them I see their depravity, Jonah. Tell them I see their perverseness. Tell them. I want you to go. I love what Proverbs 15:3 says. It says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. God sees. Don't think you are getting away. He sees. Not only does he see, but he judges. Romans fourteen twelve says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. He sees. He knows. Let me give you some of the big picture items for our study through Jonah. This is one of the big things. God is a compassionate God. Have you experienced God to be a compassionate God? God is a deeply compassionate God. 
I love Jonah because there are glimpses all over the book of God loving those close to him, but also a glimpse of God loving the unlovable. That's one of the things we see. We see his deep abiding compassion because he extends his love to those who are unlovable. The sailors, right? Nineveh, the things that they are doing, God extends his grace and his mercy to even Nineveh. He's a caring and a loving God. See, God happens to be concerned with those who are suffering and the misfortunate. Can you say the same about your life? Are you concerned about those that are suffering? Are you concerned about the misfortunate? God is. It's one of the things we'll see in Jonah. Um, I love some of the, the stories, even in the midst of the darkness of the Oklahoma uh, tornado, some of the things, the stories that are coming out. Um, man, a couple weeks ago, and you guys have seen it on the news, tornadoes just ravished uh, more Oklahoma. Um, houses were flattened. People lost um, all of their stuff. Um, but then there's stories that are developing, like Kevin Durant. Man, he gave $1 million to Red Cross to help the efforts there. Um, why could he do that? He lives in this city, and he sees the brokenness. His heart is softened and pricked, and he does something about it. That's how God does. He sees the brokenness. He sees those that are the least of these. He sees the suffering and the misfortune, and God does something about it in Jonah. He is a compassionate God. Is that your story? Does compassion mark who you are and mark your life? One of the other things I, I think we'll see here is that we can run from God, but we can't outrun God. We can run from God, but we can't outrun God. Jonah found this ship that was headed to Tarshish, and he takes off, headed for the, the fences. He's taken off. The Lord instructed Jonah to do one thing, and Jonah does another. Get this. Jonah is blatantly, disrespectfully disobedient to God's orders. And in essence, what Jonah does is, in a sense, he elevates himself on a platform, and he puts himself on the throne, and he says, God, I know better than you do. God gave Jonah orders to go and to speak. And Jonah moves in his own direction. And in essence, what he's saying is, God, I know better than you do. God, I'm wiser than you are. I'm, I'm more knowledgeable than you are, God. I have better timing than you. I know much more than you do, God. Ever been there? Ever been in a place where God was calling you to do something or sending you to a place and, and you did your own thing? And see, none of us would ever want to admit that 
we're putting ourselves on the throne, would we? None of us would even say with our own mouths that we are stronger and wiser and more intelligent than God is. We, we don't want to say that. But with our actions, that's exactly what we say. That's exactly what we do. God's given us orders for your own good, for your pleasure, for your good. No sex before marriage. Mm. And we find ourselves putting ourselves on the throne. God, I'm smarter than you. God, God, I'm wiser than you are. Don't do that business deal. God, I'm smarter than you are. I'm wiser than you, God. We don't want to say that with our mouths, but with our actions, that's exactly what we're doing. And in a sense, it's blatant disrespect, blatant disobedience to a holy and a righteous and a good God. See, disobedience will always take us to a place that we're not willing to go. And it will always make us pay more than we're willing to pay. Always. There's no way of getting out of that. Maybe it's your identity. Maybe God has said you are beautifully and wonderfully made, but yet you still don't like to look at yourself in the mirror. Putting yourself on the throne. And God has called you beautifully and wonderfully made, but yet you're saying, I'm wiser than you, God. That's why you struggle with your identity. Pride. Blatant disobedience. Can I run God? Uh, <laughs> I remember just recently I was driving through the neighborhood and I saw this guy bolting through this grassy lot. It was almost like, you know, a, a cartoon because he had this dog chasing behind him. So here this guy is. He's running full speed. And there's this dog, like, right on his tail. And, you know, I just stopped to, to kind of watch and laugh. It was funny. Um, but this guy is, honestly, he's kind of slow. <laughs> and this dog is right on his tail, and this guy cannot get away. I can see he tried to kick it into second gear, so the dog kicks it into second gear. This dog is right on his tail. He cannot get away. And you know what he did? He jumped on the hood of my car. And honestly, a part of me wanted to be mad, but the other part said, I would have did the same thing. And uh, so, but, you know, the guy was slow. He, he couldn't outrun this dog. He couldn't get away. So he jumped on the car to get away. You can't outrun God. I don't care how fast you think you are, there is no way you are going to outrun God. You won't get away if God is pursuing you. You will not get away. I would dare to say there are some people here this morning that have been running away from God. 
Maybe He's pursuing you. Maybe you don't know Him. You don't claim Jesus to be Lord. um, And God is pursuing you. And you're running, pursuing your own missions. Going down your own path and your own journey when God is pursuing you. You cannot outrun Him. Submit to Him today. Maybe you do know God. Maybe you do have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But there are some particular, specific things that He's guiding you to do and you're running. You haven't submitted to Him just yet. I think Jonah would say, listen to me, fellas. Listen to me, ladies. I've done the do. Submit to God. You don't want to get swallowed by the proverbial fish. You can't outrun Him. Jesus, get this, is an even greater Jonah. Jesus is an even greater Jonah. Jonah was sent by God to be a channel by which God relayed His message to the people of Nineveh. He was sent by God to show them God's divine mercy, and that's one of the things that we're going to see. But even bigger than that, Jonah is a type of Christ. He is even bigger. Jesus is even bigger than Jonah. Let me show you this. Matthew chapter 12. What the heck are you talking about, Chris? Matthew chapter 12, verse 40 through 41. Listen to what it says. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Who is that something greater? What is that something greater? Something greater than Jonah is Jesus. See, Jonah was sent to the people of Nineveh to be a mouthpiece for God, to preach and declare the goodness of God that they may come and repent and know God for all that He is. Then God sent Jesus, even one greater than Jonah. God sent Jesus that you and I may be able to have, again, a perfect fellowship with the Father. So He sent Jesus to stand in our place, to to die the death that we should have died. God sent Jesus to be our Jonah. See, those of us who are running, we don't know the Lord. God sent Jesus for you to be your Jonah. Those of you who do know the Lord, and there's some specific, particular things that God is calling you and commissioning you to do that you've been running from, God sent Jesus to be your Jonah. You can't run from Him. There was a story on CNN um, about the aftermath of Oklahoma tornadoes, and uh, this elderly woman is being, uh, some of you may have seen it, but she's being interviewed on CNN, 
And she's talking about how she lost her home. She's talking about all that happened surrounding the time where the tornadoes were touching down. She's talking about the walls shaking and she's talking about the roof collapsing. And as she's giving her interview, her testimony of what happened, she's literally staying, standing on what used to be her home. A pile of garbage. She's standing there giving her testimony and she began to talk about how she prayed that God would spare her life. And He did. And then she began to talk about, as tears welled up in her eyes, she began to talk about how she lost her dog. And her and her dog were separated uh, with all the damage. And um, the house came down. She was next to her dog. Then the dog was gone. She had tears in her eyes. You could tell she loved this dog. And literally during the interview, you hear this whimpering. She's standing where her house used to be. You hear this whimpering, and she turns around while on camera. And I know the cameraman is like, this cannot get any better. I mean, what, what a story. She turns around, and she hears this whimpering from under sheets of metal of what used to be her home. And she goes, and a paw comes out. And... She begins to look and tears are flooding down her face. She's pulling up these sheets of metal. Three sheets. One sheet, two sheets. And then she pulls up the last sheet and out pops her dog. She rescued him from the rubbish. She rescued him from the mess. And what God sent Jesus to do is to be our rescuer. He sent Jesus. We were ones who were helpless under the sheets of metal. And God sent Jesus to pick up the sheets of metal and to let us be free again. We were bound by our chains of sin. And God sent Jesus to rescue us. God sent Jesus to set us free. Sent Jesus to not only die, but to be buried and to be raised again. That we may experience Freedom, but are you still running? Or will you submit to Jesus this morning? Submit to Him in His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Because He is the greater Jonah. The one who came with the message of freedom and deliverance to set each and every one of us free. Why? Because He is a compassionate God. Because you can run, but you cannot outrun God. Because He is a greater Jonah. Let's pray. Father, thank You that You did not leave us alone, but You sent one greater than even Jonah to be our Savior, to be our Deliverer, to be our comforter, O God. Thank You for Jesus this morning. And Lord, I pray for ones in here that are running away from You. I pray that You would convict hearts. That You would convict of sin. That You would reveal 
sin and that you would call to yourself, oh God, you would adopt sons and daughters in you, Jesus, this morning. Capture our hearts. Allow us to go deeper in you. For you are good. You are greatly to be praised. Now, Father, I pray that you bless these offerings that we're about to receive. I pray that they would go towards the furthering of your kingdom. Father, I pray that it may be for your fame and your glory, and not for the fame and glory of downtown church, but for your fame in this city and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.